0: G'day. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1372, entitled The Pod Must Flow. (laughs) That's our podcast title for today and our normal title is Merry Fluxmas. I have to say that very carefully. I'm Rob Jan here, belatedly. Takes a long time to catch the sandworm today. Here with today's episode, I am Jan Solo today. Megan McHugh is taking a well-earned R and R, a shore leave. <laughs> now, welly, welly, welly. We've now transited the 13th season of Doctor Who, which is to say the serialised story arc entitled Flux. It's showrunner Chris Chibnall and notionally the 13th Doctor Jodie Whittaker. This is their third and final season in the TARDIS, but three specials, three, count them to come. The six episodes of this season comprised a single story arc with a lot of subplots. Arguably... Arguably a few too many, which is probably where my opinion tends to incline towards. Now, we've covered the individual episodes quite extensively on Zero G over the course of the season's run and found some were great and others not so much. Anywho, it all came together in a somewhat frantically paced final episode where some of the plot strands were brought to a satisfying conclusion and some, again, were not. At least seen from my perspective in the space-time vortex. A quick recap. Yes, spoilers, sweeties. The universe is being systematically destroyed by the all-devouring, wibbly-wobbly, swirly thing called the flux. Now, I use the term systematically with precision here as the cataclysm is proceeding to noble solar system after solar system. Now, the flux is an extra-dimensional anti phenomenon deployed by the Division, which is a, a rogue time lord operation whose modus operandi was also counter to that usually, though not always, followed by the majority of Gallifreyans in that the Division's express purpose was to control and interfere with past, present and future across all of space and time. Now, in the course of the season, we learned that an earlier incarnation of the Doctor was once an agent for the Division. Division is using the flux to destroy the universe, abandoning it for another plane of the multiverse because they believe that the Doctor's characteristic actions have compromised the integrity of our universe. Somewhat extreme, I would have thought, but there you go. Now, along for the ride is the Doctor, who is also trying to regain her stolen memories of a collection of hitherto unknown previous regenerative incarnations, the existence of which have recently been revealed in the show. And her current companions, Yaz and Dan, and several new faces as well are there, uh, psychic experimenter, Professor Jericho, and Carvanista, the dog-like Lupari alien, man's best friend. And also the doctors in this case. Crimean War era nurse Mary Seacole, an actual historical figure is there, and the star-crossed couple Vinda and Belle, who seem to be from uh, one of Earth's far-flung colonies in the future. Not quite sure. It gets a bit timey wimey I'm not really sure when and where I am at all stages in this story. Then there's UNIT's chief scientist, Kate Stewart, thrown in there fairly gratuitously, but always glad to see her. And the doctor's adoptive mother, Tecton, now, Tecton, it turns out, is rather malign, as she's a big wheel in the division, and other villainous forces are arranged against the Doctor, including the powerful beings Swarm and Azure. What a lovely couple they are. <laughs> couple of what? Not entirely sure. Now there's a dictator known as the Grand Serpent, who Slivers interview, as well as some old fiends, the weeping angels and the old also agents of the division. Uh, the Ood. Now, there are Daleks and Santarans and Cybermen as well. Oh my. Well, let's have a track here now that we've set the scene. And it is really complicated trying to do that. And they couldn't quite manage it in six episodes of the series. So there you go. Now, I've got a track here. Jodie Whittaker herself, the doctor, sang this on a BBC Children in Need charity album. It's a song called Yellow. Now, you'll know that as a Coldplay classic. And they actually surprised Jodie by having a couple of the band members appear when she was laying this track down. So here we go with The Doctor singing. Now, you know that uh, other doctors have sung before, including Peter Capaldi most recently with his new album. But this is Jodie Whittaker herself. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Yeah, well, that was Jodie Whittaker singing Yellow from a BBC Children in Need, charity album back in the 2016, 19. It's hard to tell in space, nines from sixes. It all sort of turned around there. Jody Whitaker, of course, the 13th, well, notionally at least, a doctor. And we're just talking here on Zero G about Flux, which is the... Season 13 of Doctor Who just finished a six-episode story arc. Not the first time they've ever done a complete story arc in Doctor Who. I mean, really, when you look at all of the classic era episodes and serials anyway, these are just longer. I'm also thinking of the Torchwood story that they did uh, Children of Earth as well. But sail on, we've laid down the ground for the flux and I've already noted how I thought the strongest episodes were the ones featuring the Sontarans and the Weeping Angels, that is to say the stories War of the Sontarans and Village of the Angels. Though I think at least one of the more expansive episodes carrying the meta story arc called Once Upon Time, was also very engaging if you paid close attention to it. I was just engrossed by that one, sat there fascinated. So, by no means a TARDIS wreck, I think, this season. And there are quite a few standout stories, characters and moments. For example, the horrific moment when the Doctor seemed to turn into a weeping angel herself, succumbing to creeping ossification as her flesh changed to stone. That's a moment I'll long remember. And in fact, the episode, Village of the Angels, is as fine an example of Doctor Who in full horror genre mode as you'll ever find in that show's near six decades long history. It was good to see the Sontarans restored as a threat as well, as opposed to the well, admittedly, quite amusing comic relief of the individual battle nurse Strax. And that actor plays another Sontaran role in this season, so yeah, versatile. Just whack on the old potato head makeup and there you go. Well, I think they could probably learn a thing or two from the people who built the Death Star and armour up that vulnerable point on the back of their necks. And maybe a little out of left field, that uh, passion for earth chocolate, which, although quite chuckle-worthy, seemed to be a little bit too Christmas panto. Oh, yes, it was. Now, look, I I think the overall construction was somewhat let down by the over-crammed ending, which left far too many things unresolved and, well, seen from a conventional narrative perspective, at least. We could go unconventional, though, because it is Doctor Who and Maybe it is actually going to take even the Doctor more than a quick bit of techno babble and waving her sonic screwdriver around to bring back most of the universe from destruction, eh? That's clearly something to ponder there. And although the doc now has possession of the memories of those lost regenerations stored safely away in one of those Gallifreyan fob watches, and it's even further tucked away in the guts of the TARDIS too, you could see the restraint shown as demonstrating magnificent willpower on her behalf, and also, you know, a bit of a canny squirrelling away of future plot lines. And what price a spin-off show with Vinda, Bell and Carvenista? Probably the most potential for a spin-off since the Pater Noster Gang with that aforementioned Strax and the Silurian and her battle companion, all in Victorian England. It's a pity we can't add the interesting Professor Jericho to that mix as he didn't actually survive, which is very sad. He was a great character and really probably most valued player in this season. There are other things that I felt less ambiguous about which didn't sit well. The Grand Serpent's exit from the story was rather bland and too tightly edited given the character's build-up. And is anyone else thinking, oh, I was waiting for him to take his mask off and reveal himself as the master? But no. (laughs) But there was no time, really, in this story to linger or contemplate the Grand Serpent's exile. A bit of a waste, really. And the Doctor showed her genocidal side when she allowed the combined alien war fleets to be consumed by the flux. She can be gobsmackingly ruthless when she wants to be, and the Doctor has done that before, and it's always a bit of a worry. But not that I am worried that there will be a shortage of those particular monsters in Doctor Who. They always return. The Sontarans will clone, the Cybermen will upgrade, and the Daleks will keep on exterminating as usual, I'm sure hey, listen, full marks to Jodie Whittaker. I thought she was absolutely grand in this story. And I've said this before, but I really think she moves well as the Doctor. You know, part of the Doctor is the physicality of the performance and she certainly captured that maniacal energy quite well. It's hard to tell which direction she's going to jump in at times. I certainly am going to watch this story again at some stage to see if I can make more sense of parts of it if I have another shot at it. Well, that's Doctor Who Flux. We're looking forward to the three additional specials as they show up, and I I reckon they'll probably have some more to say about the Doctor's past identities. That's a whole can of sandworms have been opened there. But you know what? Change is inevitable, as one of the Doctors once said. All right, now, we've also been watching this latest and there are so many of them uh, Disney plus Marvel TV series Hawkeye which has gone from strength to strength no doubts at all about this series and actually I reckon they've all been pretty good Uh, WandaVision and um, uh, Sam Wilson Captain America or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series and the Loki series I've just had a whole lot of fun watching every single one of them and they've been very inventive and they've stood in good stead even though we actually have had a couple of Marvel movies now drop at the cinemas. The excellent Black Widow, same, same for Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Not so much for The Eternals and, by gosh, there's even another one <laughs> right now. Great Scott, well, wrong universe actually. Uh, there's the uh, the new Spider-Man movie as well very well integrated i hear with the marvel universe (sighs) well let's have a song here from the hawkeye soundtrack save the city and this is by adam pascal and ty taylor and rory donovan and this is from the ost as they say original soundtrack for Hawkeye. They're very, very quick at getting these out because they know we're out here itching to get our hands on these in Radio Land. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, stacking these on Zero G. Wow. A live event. They do happen. I'm quite impressed by that. I'm moved by the whole concept of actually going out and being somewhere. Wow. well... Go and see the musical. Rogers the musical from the Hawkeye soundtrack album Save the City, that song. The entire original cast there. A moment to be seen, to be believed in the Hawkeye Show. Adam Pascal, Ty Taylor, Rory Donovan at the original Broadway cast of Rogers the Musical. Alright, Rob Jan here on Zero G talking about Hawkeye. Now This is the Disney Plus series, multiple episodes dropping once a week. Where are we in this? I think uh, episode five or six, something like that. Lost count somewhere along the way, Uh, just as Hawkeye loses count of his trick arrows in the series. Now, this is the one with Jeremy Renner and also a cast of thousands and the big reveal at the end of this episode. Did drop last week, so forgive me if this is a spoiler. I'll give you five seconds to reach minimum safe distance from the headphones. If you don't know about this casting in Hawkeye, one, two, three, four, five, (laughs) close enough. Yes, we speculated about this on Zero G, and the internet broke last week when they actually revealed that our speculation was indeed correct. They have bought some of the characters from the Netflix Marvel TV shows into these new Disney Plus ones. We've all wanted them to do that. It, it's a hero move, so to speak, even in this case, it's a, though it's a supervillain. And so we are now privileged <laughs> to witness the return of Kingpin, played by Vincent Philip Dionfrio who is there in the flesh, and so much of it in his case. And here he is once again doing terrible things to the citizenry of New York and probably getting away with it and probably masking it under philanthropy. We have also been privileged to hear, as a rumour and confirmed more recently, of the character of Daredevil, returning as well, though not in Hawkeye, at least not yet. Charlie Cox reprising his role. Can it be too far away? Will we see Luke Cage and the Punisher and maybe even Iron Fist as well? Although perhaps not the male Iron Fist, perhaps the female one. Who can say? Well, I anyway thought this was a boss move. It's doing one of those fan service type things, and it's acknowledging the really seriously great work that they did on those Netflix Marvel series, Marvel TV studios, as it were. And now it's just made my life complete. Well, as much as it can be during a pandemic. Now, there've been some great moments in this, a terrific car chase in Hawkeye, some wonderful back and forwards banter between Kate Bishop and Clint Barton. It's all set at Christmas, so Clint's trying to get home to his family as well as trying to work out what the hell has gone wrong in New York and why is everybody after Ronan's legacy, the bounty hunter... Actually, I don't know if he was bounty hunting. That might be somebody else. The, uh, well, he was a, a killer, basically, uh, a vigilante... Not exactly an Avenger during the blip or the the time between snaps of five years after uh, Thanos snapped half of the universe's so life forms into oblivion. And that's when uh, Clint became Ronan after he's become unbalanced after the vanishing, the dusting of his family. And so here he is now with yet another person under his wing doesn't really want to have a protege, but there you go. These things happen to you. Uh, battling, not yet, Kingpin, but the Swordsman. And also Echo, the Kingpin's adopted uh, niece, I believe, in the comic book universe. And also, it's another spoiler if you haven't seen the recent episodes, but again, you can run away again. You can run, but you can't hide from the Black Widow or the Red Widow, as she's also called. Yes, that's right, Yelena Romanoff, Natasha's sister, back and gunning for vengeance. At least she thinks so. And what a privilege it is to see all of this come back together in one series once again. Just such an extraordinarily well-handled Story with some wonderful live action role play <laughs> included, as well as some new costumes for Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, those two archer supremes of the world. I'm going to have an interesting time seeing what the, uh, the cosplay costumes have, <laughs> the costumer has come up with them for that. OK, there's still episodes to go of Hawkeye, maybe just one, I think. I've lost count, as I was saying before. But what about that moment when they used a PIMTech arrow, which is to say one which could increase in size once it was fired? <laughs> that was so awesome. Ah, My little nerdy, geeky comic book loving heart is... All a flutter, though perhaps not my arc reactor in the absence of my favourite superhero, Tony Stark. But, you know, I've moved on. I can still enjoy the MCU. And one of the other things I really enjoyed about the show is how much bodily maintenance Clint Barton and everybody practically around him requires after they've been in these fights. It's not just. Um you just wade off like your Thor or uh, change suits of armour like Iron Man. There's quite a bit of battle damage <laughs> occurred to these poor people. They're always strapping on frozen peas to their body <laughs> and taking uh, Nurofen or um, all the other various preparations that you can have to kill the pain. <laughs> all right, now that's on Disney+. Now, I think we'll have a little track here. And this is from the Daredevil original soundtrack album. I forget which one, possibly uh, number two or three. And this is called Wilson Fisk, and it's by John Paesano. Wilson Fisk, of course, being the alter ego of the Kingpin the marmalade forest, forest between the make-believe tree. G'day, I'm Brett McKenzie. I played an in elf from Lord of the, cottage, the Rings. Cottage, my dad played Elendil the King. I'll You're listening to Zero G be, on 3 triple I have one I'll thing to say. Be, my name is Figwit the I'll Elf. Be, you killed my father. I'll Prepare to die. La- wow. <laughs> I'm still agog at live events returning. Although, admittedly, this is Zero G, so, you know alive or undead it's all the same to us all right we had a track called wilson fisk there aka kingpin joe passano from one of the daredevil television series original soundtrack albums all right well we're coming up to the hour and joe bernatic is coming up next with astral glamour And it is a wonderfully warm day out there today. Not as warm as perhaps on Dune, the planet. And yes, we will be talking about Denis Villeneuve's new film on next week's Zero G. We've been being prescient about that for the last couple of weeks as we've covered angles various and assorted incarnations and adaptations of Frank Herbert's original novel, we talked about well briefly about the uh, David Lynch 1984 film, about the 2000s mini series, and the uh, failed but gloriously influential <laughs> Alejandro Jodorowsky *A Dune*, which was never made. Although there's a pretty good documentary about it, amongst other things. And so we will go out with a track just to prep you a little bit for that for next week's show. And thank you to Alex for standing in in good stead, Zero G, today as we were delayed by Harkonnen patrols overflying our position. And it's a 20-thumper journey from the southern deserts to get into Triple R sometimes. So there you go. And here I go. Well, we'll go out with The Secret Life of Arabia, which is from the remastered version of David Bowie's Heroes album. Just riffing off a bit of Orientalism here and plugging into Dune. So we shall see you next week on Zero G. I was going to say thank you, Megan. She's not here. But I can say that anyway. Thank you, Megan. And thank you to our podcaster, Kayla Larson. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.